0: This is the John Oakley Show Podcast. Here we go, Hour 2. It is a great day for Talk Radio. It's the midweek edition, means in an hour from now, Ernie Eves and John Turley-Ewart are going to join us in studio with the roundtable. Of course, we do have our topics worthy of discussion panel slated to join us in-house here in about uh, 15 minutes' time. Many topics worthy of discussion, and uh, a few that we'd already broached in Hour 1. I wanted to uh, run back up that hill because I think they're that important, not least of which is this uh, spate of criminal activity. I mean, we just heard gunshots uh, had been fired near a school in the Jane Finch corridor, and uh, just recently, too, over the last 48 hours, I guess, uh, there have been, what, three more homicides? We're up to 95 is the point, and there's still a few days left in 2018, uh we've actually breached the high water mark, I guess set in ninety-one of ninety one. Uh so who knows? Do we ring the bell at a hundred? It's uh really perplexing as to why this would be. Uh, perhaps Julian Fantino can help put into perspective this matter and many other such dealing with law enforcement. He's Global News Radio's law enforcement expert, and of course former Toronto Police Chief and o p p Commissioner. Julian, good to have you back in the Oakley show. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, good to be with you, John.
0: Julian, first I've got to ask about, uh, you know, 95 homicides. Uh, now, who knows where this is going, but this is a, a high-water mark, as I called it. Any idea why we're seeing such a spate at this point in time?
1: No, uh, John, I, I don't think any of us uh, actually can put the finger on it. I mean, there's many different conclusions that are drawn, but uh, certainly there's added activity on the part of gangs, uh, the proliferation of guns, uh... Uh, but it's always back to the predisposition that uh, some people have to engage in, in this kind of activity. And very often it's based on on backgrounds and settling scores and turf wars, you know, those kinds of issues. So as we become more sophisticated, uh, bigger as we grow, uh, uh, so do the pains that go along with it.
0: Well, is it harder to police these days?
1: Yeah, it is, John. It's It's much harder on many different fronts. Uh, you know I can recall my days uh, uh, how we were m- much more able to uh, to affect uh, outcomes if you will and now everything has to be cosmetic uh, you know about the lay to land with regards to the criticisms that police face not that there should ever be uh, a free pass for errant behavior on the part of the police, but I think a lot of it has has to do with the fact that they're not able to be as proactive, uh, be it because of uh, their mandate has been somewhat restricted, uh, but also because of the numbers. Uh, Policing is a very labour-intensive work. Uh, You know, when you look at some of these homicide cases, it drains a huge amount of resources out of a police department to be able to chase down the leads, make sure you don't make any mistakes along the way, Uh, The expectation of perfection all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. So, yeah, it's it's become much more difficult in spite of the science and the technology that is available to them now. It's still a labor intensive uh, work that they have to do.
0: Julian Fantino is with us, Global News Radio law enforcement expert. Now, uh, you know, as far as engagement, labor intensive is the words that you've used, which implies that, you know, you would engage individuals and communities and such. And I don't want to re-litigate the whole issue surrounding carding, although somebody did email me when this new announcement of the uh, roadside sobriety testing uh, came up. Yesterday was day one, and somebody uh, said it's analogous to carding, and suddenly everybody's upset about it, whereas when it was just blacks being carded, it uh, didn't raise the ire of as many white folks, I guess, is what he was saying. So do you think that that is analogous, this roadside testing that doesn't require a warrant and uh, is, you know, no probable cause, similar to carding and approaching individuals and taking data?
1: Well, you know, I, I never did agree that carting uh, was particularly targeted to any one particular community. It's, it's more to do with uh, police being proactive to follow up on leads. But anyway, well, we can park that for now. But the, the whole issue of uh, of uh, roadside uh, stops and screening and so forth, John. Uh, impaired, uh, drug-impaired or alcohol-impaired driving uh, in, in this country is the leading cause of criminal death. So, you know, there have to be things taken, measures taken to curtail what is, in fact, uh, very avoidable. Well, most murders are, are avoidable, but in this particular case, we know what the causal factors are, and we know what needs to be in place to deter people from continuing this uh, this criminal behaviour. Uh, Most murders you can't prevent, really, from what we understand, but uh, certainly drinking and driving or drug-impaired driving can be prevented, and that's what the exercise is all about here.
0: Well, it's interesting you say most murders can't be prevented, and yet you've got uh, a whole uh, school of thought that says if there were gun bans or even ammunition bans, uh, you could put a real serious dent in those numbers. Do you subscribe to that? Because I think the uh, chiefs of police across the country have sort of uh, peddled that wisdom.
1: Well, the, the one thing I know for sure, John, is that uh, the criminal element, it, it's like water. They they always find the course of least resistance. So uh, they'll always find a way to, to do what they do. Uh, you can deter them somewhat, but I don't think you can prevent that kind of behavior totally. So, uh, yeah, prevention measures are always good. Of course, uh, at the front end where we can talk about uh, how young folks uh, are... are Turning to guns and violence and gang activity, whereas uh, we would expect them to be more involved with uh, with their studies and, and productive contributions to society. So you can prevent a lot of things, John, but there's no panacea. And certainly, I've never ascribed to the fact that you ban things and therefore the problem will go away. Uh, as I said, the criminal element will always find a course of least resistance.
0: Julian Fantino is with us. By the way, you know, on these roadside sobriety tests now. Uh, I guess saliva testing as well as a breathalyzer, uh, depending on the attorney general, uh, if they've greenlighted what the saliva test is uh, all about in a certain jurisdiction, then uh, that would be applied across this country. But do you see that as being maybe a slippery slope towards taking a blood sample eventually and, you know, DNA being kept on a database? I mean, some civil libertarians and others, uh, conscientious folk, are really wary about this
1: well we have to respect those opinions and you know there there are abuses and and there always will be i guess so the safeguards have to be in place john so for every authority that is given there have to be accountabilities and safeguards and checks and balances so i don't begrudge that uh, as long as the intent is is towards a a greater good sort of thing not infringing on individual rights to the extent that we compromise uh, our charter freedoms and all that but uh, that said john go back to what i said earlier you know of all of the things of all of the criminal deaths that are happening out here uh, that is an absolute preventable uh, situation so but the technology is not there yet and even what we found with the breathalyzer test the alcohol testers and so forth By the time all this settles, John, uh, most of us will be long gone because it'll be up and down and sideways, up and down all the courts. But certainly technology can help, uh, but then we need to balance uh, technology and its use with individual rights and and accountabilities.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are anticipating constitutional challenges. It's only day two, so uh, I guess we can wait with bated breath. I've got to ask you about a few other things. Now we've got at uh, St. Michael's College... Seven students have been arrested. Uh, Four have been rearrested on some serious uh, cases of sexual assault, assault, assault with a weapon. Uh, What do you make of this? I mean, what's the point or purpose if these kids are primarily in the 15, 16 age cohort? Uh, Where's this going, Julian?
1: Well, first of all, the activity is totally and absolutely inexcusable. And, and you know, uh, no matter how it's labeled, it's still a very heinous criminal activity and it victimizes people. So uh, none of that could ever be condoned, whether it happens uh, in, in a school setting or out in the public domain. Uh, but there have to be lessons learned here. So uh, deal with the issue, as as apparently the authorities are doing now. Get to the bottom of it and uh, and and hold people accountable but beyond that uh, you know these are probably not isolated incidents that uh, one would believe are only particular to a certain school i think it's just a mindset on the part of uh, young people today uh, not generally but uh, in some cases that uh, some of these things are 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 okay Uh, they're part of the scene they're part of the uh, well the initiation and then what makes it even worse is that they would uh, uh, film it and, and, and broadcast it widely. So there needs to be corrective measures. And at the beginning, from my point of view, is a dose of criminal justice uh, system.
0: Does that mean going to court? Do you see this going into a court?
1: Well, I, I, think, I think that the charges have been laid. Uh, obviously, we don't know the outcome until due process has been done. But I think that anybody who looks at uh, young people at a very tender age, if you're a very early age in, in life's lifelong journey, uh, finding themselves in these predicaments. So it isn't only the individual young people involved here; it's their families, their reputation, the hurt of uh, of of uh, that is felt by so many decent, honorable, good students in that very same institution. The the staff, all of that, and how it's all been brought into disrepute now because of the foolishness and the criminal activity that we know about.
0: And speaking of young people behaving badly, I don't know if you followed this story. We talked about it early last hour. It had to do with uh, stunt driving. A number of people involved at, uh, well, it was in uh, Northwest Pickering on Saturday night, early Sunday morning at about a quarter to three, and... Uh, This was caught on an infrared camera from a police helicopter, the Air One Chopper in Durham region, about two kilometers out. And then they chased one of the uh, perps or uh, one of the stunt drivers uh, over several routes. The person had taken the lights off the car and was, uh, you know, the car had peaked at about 200 kilometers an hour. We know 50 over is actually the uh, definition of stunt driving. Now, I wondered if it was always this way, young people, you know, just uh, trying to challenge authority or they're being rebellious. Uh, or has it changed, Julian, over the sweep of your career? Because I know you actually did make, sit, not was it a citizen's arrest or a personal arrest, I guess, stunt driving up the 400? I recall back in the day you did some of that, didn't you? <laughs> well, I
1: did quite a bit of it, actually, John. And I'm very proud of the fact that uh, I was heavily involved in bringing in that stunt driving Legislation. So in order to make the point, I was uh, on the road with uh, with my police officers uh, enforcing that particular piece of legislation. But there's some very, very heinous uh, activities that go on with motor vehicles. And uh, uh, here again, we have uh, irresponsible uh, activities that uh, can, in fact, lead to, to so much tragedy. So uh, I don't know if it's changed. I mean, young people always uh, tempted fate, if you will. But it seems that uh, we see more of that these days. And, of course, uh, you know, the, the the muscle cars and all of that, and away we go. But it's really good to see, though, that uh, the police in Durham, in this particular case, had the the requisite equipment with which to deal with that, something that I was championing for Toronto for so many years and never managed to get a helicopter here. So uh, it's good to see that uh, Law & Order is ably helped by, by great technology.
0: We still don't have a helicopter in Toronto, do we?
1: No, we don't, John. Believe me, I tried for, uh, I tried for the, the years I was there, even before I became police chief. But uh, I went to York, we were able to get one there, and, and I see that Durham have it. Of course, with the OPP, there's helicopters there, but it's a force multiplier, John. It, it, it's it's a critical piece of equipment that uh, so ably helps the the officers, the frontline officers on, on the street, if you will. But you know, it's, it's a money issue and I was never able to get... So if you were to ask me about my feelings as a Toronto Police Chief, that would be number one.
0: All right, I think it's about two million dollars per copy and they were balking at that, the uh, City Fathers. Well finally, as the OPP Commissioner, I've got to ask one time, because uh, the story surrounding uh, Ron Tavner, now it's gone to an investigation by the Integrity Commissioner If the integrity commissioner says everything's kosher, he's good to go, do you think that will satisfy people? And then does he get placed in the assignment uh, without any ramifications or repercussions?
1: Well, you know, this whole thing has sort of escalated to a bit of a circus, really. And I mean that, uh, you know, sincerely from the point of view of how the good men and women of the OPPC, what's unfolding. But I, I can assure you one thing, regardless of who the commissioner is, Uh, the good men and women of the OPP will always do their job. They'll continue to do it. Uh, They'll fulfill their oath of office. And the people of Ontario can be uh, very proud of uh, the effort that's made by uh, the OPP officers who are in every community across the province. So uh, I I think this is a huge distraction, uh, and really they deserve better.
0: All right. uh, But you're saying there's solidarity within the culture of the OPP.
1: Oh, there is indeed, John. I mean, the OPP is the Police Service of Jurisdiction in over 300 communities across Ontario, and those men and women are plugged into the lifeline of the community. They're not just the police, they're the school teachers, they're the hockey coaches, they work at the Tim Hortons, they're they're, they're part of the community. So, uh, I'm sure they're watching all of this with some, uh, I, I guess, uh, regret.
0: No rogue elements? Uh, nobody overly politicizing things?
1: No, I don't think so, John. I, I think you know, what I hear and talking to the to them as I do uh, on a regular basis, they just want to get on with their job. They, they, they don't like this distraction at all.
0: All right. Well, uh, I guess it's up to the integrity commissioner now. But you're saying if the findings say Tavner's good to go, he's good to go and everybody would be happy with that.
1: Well, I, I don't know if everybody would be happy watching the thing go by as I do, uh, John, and I'm sure you do as well. I don't know. If everybody will be happy, there will always be those who will not be happy. But, again, I I think the men and women of the OPP will be glad that it will be put to bed and get on with the job.
0: All right. right. I'll get on with mine as well, Julian. We'll let you run along. I appreciate your time and input, as always. Thank
1: you. Anytime. Take care. All the best.
0: You got it. Julian Fantino, Global News uh, Radio's law enforcement expert, former Toronto police chief and commissioner of the OPP.